Good evening. I hope everyone is doing well. I'm excited about our new series that we're going to be starting tonight entitled God Is. And in this series, we're going to be looking at the different names of God and seeing what it reveals about who God is. Um, I think that this is a really an important topic for us to explore uh, because what we think about God is really the most important thing for us to consider and to think about and meditate on. Um, in fact, the late great theologian uh, A.W. Tozer once wrote that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Now, I know that those are strong words, but I believe that they're true uh, because what you think about God shapes all other decisions in your life. Uh, if you think about uh, uh, if you think that there is no God, then you're going to live life as though there's no ultimate accountability uh, in life. If you think that God is some genie up in the sky that just grants wishes if you pray with enough faith or, or anything like that, then you're going to, that's going to impact the way you live your life and how you make decisions. If you think that God is just some mean lawgiver who loves to discipline uh, people when they step out of line, then that's likely to have a big impact on your life as well. And so we're going to see how God reveals himself in his word, since that really is the most reliable place uh, for us to understand who God is. And the first name that we're going to be looking at uh, this evening is uh, the name Elroy. Uh, not Elroy, uh, but uh, Elroy. It's uh, Hebrew for the God who sees or the God who sees me. Uh, we find this name only once in all of Scripture, and it's in Genesis 16, verse 13, when Hagar, Abraham's mistress, runs away because of the mistreatment that she's receiving from Abraham's wife, Sarah. As you remember, uh, Abraham and Sarah were uh, childless, and they were waiting on God's promise uh, child to them. They were getting well up in age, and they still haven't had a, a child yet. And so Sarah, in desperation, uh, tells Abraham that she, that he can have Sarah's maidservant, Hagar, uh, to have a child through her. This was a fairly regular practice in uh, that culture at this time. And Abraham goes along with it, and it just is one disaster after another. Sarah ends up getting uh, uh, jealous of Hagar, even though it was her idea in the first place, and then begins mistreating Hagar when she um, gets pregnant with a child. And so Hagar, just finding herself in this um, this out-of-control situation, runs away. Uh, she ran away. She's pregnant in the wilderness. She's alone. She believes that she's about to die. Uh, well, then all of a sudden, an angel of God instructs her to go back uh, to Abraham and Sarah, and that God will end up blessing her. So in response to this revelation from the angel, we, we read in verse 13, uh, it says this, so she called the Lord who spoke to her, the God who sees. For she said, in this place, uh, have I actually seen the God who sees me? Here is Hagar, a person of no consequence, no importance. She's a handmaid uh, uh, who's being unjustly uh, given to her master uh, so that he could have a male child through her who was then abused and mistreated by her masters, uh, both Sarah, who was uh, mistreating her, and then Abraham, who was just turning a blind eye and allowing her to be mistreated. And then it seemed as though no one cared to protect her or give her any sense of justice in her life. But then God saw her. 
And uh, even though she may have felt overlooked by the rest of the world, God saw her and he intervened uh, in her life. What a wonderful thought. Did you know that most people in America today feel like no one truly sees them? Uh, I recently read a New York Post article that found that one in four Americans feel like they have no one that they can confide in. One in four Americans. A quarter of the population has no one that they can share their hurts, their doubts, or their fears with. Another study uh, was even more grim. It said that 54% of Americans feel as though no one knows who they really are. They have, uh, most people uh, have this uh, outward appearance, this outward personality they have, but no one truly knows who they are deep within. You may know things about them, but over half of people that you come in contact with feel as though no one really knows them. Now, this should concern each and every one of us. Many counselors and therapists have found that most people who have come to them for help simply need someone who will listen to them without condemning them. Those feeling alone and overlooked more are more likely to have uh, serious health issues and struggle with depression. This is a serious thing uh, that we're dealing with in our culture. And many of you who are uh, listening or watching this, maybe you feel that way as well. Maybe you feel like lots of people know who you are. Lots of people may know things about you, but they don't truly know you. Now listen, if you're watching this or listening to me right now and feel alone, overlooked or unimportant, I want you to hear me very clearly for just a few minutes. The God of the Bible sees you. He truly sees you and he loves you you deeply. You are so important to him. And this is a message that that I believe that he wants you to hear uh, tonight. And so I want each and every one of you to know God sees you, God hears you, and God loves you. All right. So this God who sees you, this El Roi, I want you to know at least three things of how God when God sees you, what he sees in you, okay? So we could talk uh, a lot about what God sees. Obviously, God sees everything. He knows everything about you. But there are at least three things in particular that I believe that God wants you to know that he sees in your life. Now, the first thing uh, that you need to know that God uh, about God and how he sees you is that he sees your needs. I don't know what your needs are this evening. I don't know what your hurts and your fears and your doubts are, but I want you to know God sees them. God knows them. I'm sure that there are some watching or listening to this who have been hurt for, you've been hurting for so long and you've been praying for help, but you haven't heard any answers and you haven't seen God or anyone else intervene in your life or provide for you. And you've all but given up hope that anyone knows what you're going through. Perhaps you feel like God's not listening or maybe that God isn't even out there. But I want you to know God is there. God is listening and he does care about your needs. I want to draw your attention uh, to a couple of passages of the scripture. First, I want you to look at the people of Israel who suffered for 400 years in slavery. If there was ever a people who had reason to think that God couldn't see their need or hear their cries or didn't care about them, it was the people uh, of Israel trapped in Egypt. Yet here's what scripture says about them. It says, during that long period, The king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. 
and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Listen, God heard them and was concerned for them and was looking to bring them freedom. I could also point to uh, Christ asking Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul was persecuting the church, not Christ. But Jesus not only knew about the church's pain, he identified with it. Now, we could go on and on after example and example of God knowing the needs of his people. But I think that it's important for us to pause here for just a moment and address a question that I, I believe many undoubtedly have when they hear uh, the idea that God knows their needs. And the question is this, if God knows my needs, why isn't he doing anything about it? If God knew that Israel was suffering in, in Egypt, why did he wait 400 years to free them? If God knew Saul was persecuting the church, why didn't God stop them, stop him sooner? This is a good question, and I want to preface my answer by cautioning everyone that there is no, there's really no answer that uh, will make the pain that you feel any less painful. For a wife who is struggling to know why God is allowing her husband to tear the family apart with an affair, listen, no answer that I give will ease that pain. For the father who just got laid off and doesn't know where he's going to, how he's going to provide for uh, his family, no answer that I give is going to ease uh, his worry. Now, with that said, here's my best attempt to answer why I think God knows our needs but doesn't always respond to alleviate those needs or at least respond uh, in the time fashion that we would like for him to respond. And it's this. God is often more concerned with who we're becoming than what we're enduring. Let me say that again. God is often more concerned about who we're becoming than what we're enduring. Now, please note that I did not say God is not concerned about what we were doing. That's not at all uh, true. In fact, I think it's abundantly clear in Scripture that God cares very much about what you're going through. But it's also abundantly clear that God cares more about who you're becoming, and it's what we go through in life that most often dramatically shapes uh, who we are and who we become. Israel was greatly shaped by their time in Egypt. It was because of the church's persecution that the gospel spread to the ends of the earth. God often allows hardships to refine us and to make us what we were meant to be. So to uh, the parent who's wearing themselves out, trying to provide for their kids, listen, God sees your struggle. He knows your needs. To the elderly couple who's struggling with increasing health problems, God sees you. He sees your needs. To all those who feel uh, overlooked, uh, over, um, uh, overlooked and marginalized by the, the struggles in life, listen, God sees you. And he loves you. So the God who sees, uh, the God who sees your needs, the God who uh, uh, sees what you're going through. Listen, he also sees something else. God also sees your service, your ministry, the efforts that you do. Okay. Not only does he see the needs, your struggles, but he also sees every single thing you do in his name. Listen, not many of us uh, will preach the gospel to auditoriums full of people. Not many of us are going to feed thousands of hungry children or bring healing to countless sick and dying people. 
Most of what you and I do uh, for others and for Christ are probably going to go unnoticed by the vast majority of the world. We're not going to be uh, featured in uh, uh, history books or on news channels. Um, sometimes uh, we will go overlooked by uh, most of the people in our communities and sometimes even people in our, our family and our church family. But listen, not a single act of kindness will go unnoticed by God. Listen, Jesus tells us that when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the, uh, on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a sheep divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a, strang I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it. To me. Now, earlier in Matthew, Jesus went further and he said this, And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. You see, there are no small jobs or small ministries with God. Every kindness, every good thing you do, no matter how much it goes unnoticed and unappreciated by everyone else, has God's full attention and is something that he celebrates. Like a proud parent who loves to show off their child's artwork. I can just imagine God gathering the angels of heaven around and saying, Hey, Gabriel, hey, Ma hey, Michael, did you see what my son just did there? Did you see how he treated that rude, rude person with grace? Hey, guys, guys, gather around. Did you see what my daughter did there? She's persevering in prayer for her neighbor. and She's not giving up. Listen, please don't think for a moment that God loves you enough to send his son to die for you, but is now too busy to pay attention to you. God, listen, is your biggest fan, and he's cheering you along as you strive to live for him and bring glory to his name. We serve the God who sees you, who sees every effort you make to live for him. Now, that's good news. Now, some of you may be worried that God sees everything you do because you don't feel like you do enough for God. You don't think that you read your Bible that much. You don't feel like uh, you spend that much time in prayer. You feel like you don't share your faith uh, like other Christians that you know. Well, listen, I want to share uh, one last thing that I believe God sees when he looks at you and when he looks at me that I hope will bring you some comfort because I know it brings me some comfort when I think about it. And it's this. Not only does God see your needs, and not only does God see your efforts and how you strive for his glory, but God sees your potential. 
God sees you not just as you are and, and, and where you are in life, but he sees you as you could be and where you will be as he works in and through your life. Now, praise God, he does not see me just where I am, but God sees what I can be as he brings his resurrection power to bear in my life. I want you to listen to the words of the, uh, the psalm as David writes when he reflects on God seeing him and viewing him. Here's what he said. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot even be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you, you are still with me. Listen, God saw every moment of David's life before he was even conceived. God saw David defeat Goliath, and God saw David sleeping with Bathsheba before, before David was ever born. God saw the good, and he saw the bad, and everything in between. And God still loved David, blessed David, and worked to bring about all the potential that God knew was there. And guess what? God sees you too. God saw you before you were ever thought of. God saw every wonderful thing you would ever do. God also saw every bad thing, every bad thought. He saw you at your very worst. And he still thought you were worth dying for. He sees incredible potential in you. You know, I saw a video here recently that uh, shared some light on this idea of the potential that God sees in each one of us. And the illustration went something like this. You know, in my hands, a bunch of lumber is just a bunch of lumber. But put in the hands of a carpenter, then you have a beautiful house. You know, in my hands, a bunch of fabric is just a bunch of fabric. I can't do much with it. But in the hands of, but in the hands of a seamstress, it's a beautiful dress or an expensive outfit. Listen, the world may not think much about you. And you may not even think much about yourself. But God sees all of your potential. And in his hands, there's no limit to what you can do. Because there's no limit to what God can do in you. Listen, God saw an 80-year-old childless Abraham, and he saw that he would be the father of many nations. God saw Moses with all of his temper and all of his excuses about how he was ill-equipped for the job, and he saw a great deliverer and leader. God saw Gideon hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat in a vine press, and he saw a great warrior. God saw a little shepherd boy and how he would become a historic king. And God saw the uh, most fierce persecutor of the church as the great apostle Paul. Listen, your past doesn't discourage God. Your current circumstances don't discourage God. And your worries and fears about the future don't discourage God. God is the God who sees, the God who has his eyes on you. And God wants to know, do you trust him? Are you going to follow him? Because God sees you. He sees your needs. He sees your service. He sees your potential. And he wants to do something great and amazing in and through your life. And he's just waiting on you to trust in him. You know, what we think about God really is the most important thing in our lives. And I hope by our time here this evening that we have seen a new side 
of who God is. We see that God is not some far distant God looking at us from a distance, waiting on us to come to him, but he is the God who sees us and has come and drawn near to you and to me. Listen, you're not listening to uh, this message. You're not watching this message by accident. God wanted you to hear this message because God has a great work that he wants to do in your life. I'm excited about what God has in store for you. I want to hear about what God is doing in your life. Please uh, message me, uh, call me at the uh, office, uh, send me an email. I'd love to hear what God is doing in your life because I know that God is alive He's well, and he wants to do something incredible in you and in me, if we'll just let him. Listen, as we continue through the series, we're going to see more about who God is and, and what he's doing in our life. I can't wait uh, to see how God uses our, our, um, our time here together. Now, until then, I hope you take care. I hope God continues to bless you and work mightily, mightily in your life. And I'll be praying for each and every one of you. Take care. And good night.